Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 312 for December 7th, 2020. Today's guest is award-winning artist, author, and professor Sherelle D. Luckett. And we'll be talking about her huge body of work with a special focus on the book, Black Acting Methods, Critical Approaches. She does so much. <laughs> like, as I was researching and getting ready to talk with her, I kept unfold, uncovering layer after layer of the different pieces of her work. So I just want to say we barely scratched the surface of her <laughs> existence. So I really encourage you to to research more and read more about all the different things that she does. That said, I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or you can email me email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Not a lot of check-in to throw at you today. Uh, I just did another podcast late last week with Jill Carnegie. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I I will throw out again that I'm working on my new zine. I've been doing these zines. Well, I did them quarterly for a while. And then, well, the pandemic happened and lots of, uh, you know, so I'm getting back on track with that. And it's going to be out. It looks like it's going to be more like January. I'll keep you posted on all of that. It's called Headphones. And as always, it's a handmade, handbound zine with a story that's original and also a music download that accompanies the, the zine. So they're always available on Patreon. And um, I'll tell you more about Patreon in a little bit. The other thing I like doing <laughs> lately is just sort of like putting a, a, a um, bookmark on these episodes for people who are listening to this later, because this feels like such a historic time. And these podcasts stay up on my website forever. So if you're listening to this from the future, here's what's happening in America right now. Um, the, I, I can't say the guy's name. Uh, President number 45 is still contesting the election. A bunch of ridiculousness is happening. Um, and people don't seem to be taking him seriously. Um, I mean, it seems like there's no uh, evidence really that the election has been tampered with. Um, but he's still ranting and raving. His supporters are doing their thing, which I don't know whether I should be nervous about that. Maybe. Yes. Um, and hopefully we will have a new president in January. And then we can get on to the task of <laughs> taking him to task. Um, super relieved. But uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm a lot more aware of the world than I ever have been before. So we'll leave it at that. I, I know that having this new present isn't going to be a magical cure for all that ails the United States and therefore the planet. So we have a lot of work to do. Um, I'm just happy that it won't be as terrifying and chaotic as it is right now. So all of that said, I want to give a quick thank you to my subscribers on Patreon who power this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, as I mentioned earlier. All digital copies of all the previous zines are available there. And bonus podcasts. There are like 55, 56 bonus podcasts that you get that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe. I do these with 
almost every podcast episode. And this week, there will be another special bonus podcast with a little um, bonus conversation with Dr. Lequette, um that we recorded after the main interview you are about to hear. Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Thank you for hearing that. I'm always happy that you're listening. And, you know, so I, I guess I should say if you are a listener and you can't do Patreon, especially right now, these podcasts will always be free. I, I'm, I won't always be doing them. I'm sure there will come a time that I stop doing this podcast. But until for as long as I do it, this main podcast will be free on my website and in, you know, in all the podcast directories. All of that said, um, I discovered this album thanks to New Amsterdam Records. This composer, uh, let me just read you the little blurb from their press release, because I, I, I'm very interested in this album. Uh, announcing The Greyland, a mono opera written by Joseph C. Phillips Jr. and recorded with his ensemble Numinous. Uh, it features soloist soprano Rebecca L. Hargrove and narrator Kenneth Browning. The undefinable work, written in Phillips' signature mixed music style, chronicles a single black mother and her son for a dynamic exploration of race, class, and power in the 21st century America. Um, I just was looking at his website moments ago, and this is like magnificent work. Um, I, I guess I would categorize it in my uh, less than perfect uh, view of classical music. I would think of this as like new classical music. It's classical music that's being written now. And by the fact that it's today, there's a lot of different influences that you'll hear. So um, I got a couple tracks from that album for you today. Um Ah, it's so good. <laughs> so the first track I'm going to play, and then after this, we'll hear uh, the interview with Dr. Luquette. Uh, this is called I Should Have Been a Motherfucking Black Mamba. It's by uh, the uh, ensemble Numinous and composed by Joseph C. Phillips, Jr. Thank you. 
Joining me now on the show is Dr. Sherelle D. Luckett, PhD, um, who I, I, I introduced early in the show, so your bio has been covered. Um, but oh, so many things I'm excited to talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. One of the things I think I would love to start with is you've written five books. Am I right on this? Yes. Co-edited some of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The book, Black Acting Methods, Critical Approaches. Um, it's uh, Is it possible to give a brief rundown about what that's about? Basically, um, with the word Black Acting Methods, Critical Approaches, I introduced a new field called Black Acting Methods. And as a practitioner, you can locate your acting methodology and acting theory in the field of black acting methods. When you do that, what that means is that you center black culture, black thought, black people in your pedagogy. Um, it's very similar to what we call white European education um, in America and in other places, too, where where white supremacy is there um, and pervasive the education is centered towards white thought, white theory, white people. Um, but the difference is, is that black acting methods, the work that we do is not imperialistic. Um, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't boast a thing of this is the best and the only one. Um, so black acting methods, critical approaches is a co-edited book. I co-edited the book with Dr. Tia M. Schaefer. And, um, it is a book that is, for um, folks who are looking for interventions in education, particularly in theater education, um, to help diversify as well. But I do want to say that the book and the field of Black acting methods is not, its sole purpose is not necessarily social justice, because when you do that, you are centering the anti, basically, you, you are centering someone that you're fighting against. And this work does not fight against uh, people first or cultures first. This work simply centers black culture first. And then it does have a social justice um, framework because of the lived experiences of black people in the U.S. and at large. Would it be accurate to say that it centers acting from a black experience, but not because of creating social change. Correct. A lot of this sort of has come to the surface for many of us who should have been paying attention already after the murder of George Floyd. And um, and this, uh, so the conversation is coming up and, and you've been coming up, but you haven't just started this work. Like it's something you've been, you've been at for a while. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the impetus of, of, of the work started um, actually when I was in high school. I trained with a black theater director and acting teacher, a phenomenal person by the name of Freddie Hendricks. And um, when I graduated and started to get into undergrad, I just started to realize that my education was very different. Um, formally, the Black Acting Methods, the book, Black Acting Methods, Critical Approaches, was released October of 2016. So we're right at four years now. Um, and so when it was released, I was beating the pavement then. And the book was actually very successful before the Black Lives Matter uprisings of 2020 with the convergence um, of COVID-19. That certainly helped to catapult the book. But it, like you just said, it, it catapulted the book into, um, into white 
presence, I would say. And so, you know, that's just really what happened because black folks was on board and knew about it. And there were, and I want to say too, there were white people, um, Latinx people, other folks who might identify as people of color that were supporting the book and that were already teaching the book. But after 2020, the summertime, the book just kind of took off because it was literally, it is literally right now the only text that um, deals with diversity, anti-racist um, training, since we're using that word now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of folks, wonderful people who are involved in anti-racism work and diversity in the theater. However, when you talk about, uh, you know, from a racial justice point of view or culture justice point of view, there's only one literary document right now. We need more. And, you know, I'm kind of, <laughs> we need a whole lot more and I'm sure people are working on it, but there's only one book right now. And so everybody went and grabbed the book. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I understand a timeline thing correctly. You studied with Hendrix before you were went to undergrad and grad school and all of that. Is that did I understand that correctly? Correct. It was high school. Yeah, I was oh. in high school. I, I guess I'm always curious about these questions like you. You, you sort of had the choice when you got to undergrad and just your education in general to move forward with theory and with black acting methods or just kind of going with the status quo. Is it, is it possible to like describe what that is in you that, that made you decide to move forward? Yeah, sure. I think it was a combination of things. Um, when I got to undergrad, I started to be exposed to white acting theorists and I thought that they were great. Um, but then that's all I was being exposed to as I matriculated. And then I became a high school drama teacher. When I became a high school drama teacher, I started to get a lot more interested in acting theory. And we would do exercises. And I mean, we ran the gamut, but the gamut was all white people. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was white people, but they were all white people. Um, and so it, a couple of my students pointed out that what I was doing in the classroom was different than what I was doing on stage. Like when we, when I would start directing them and they were right in the sense that I was really operating, um, based on my influences being influenced by Freddie Hendricks. So, uh, and as I continued in my teaching journey of theater, I've always known that theater began in Africa. So, and you know, when we talk about Stanislavski, Stanislavski is the late 1800s. We've been acting since the beginning of time. And so my question was just like, where are all of the black acting theorists? Like, I know they exist, you know, from we're talking about from Comet, you know, all the way up until like the 1800s. Where are they? And um, of course, as I began my research, I came to find out about Barbara Ann Tier, And I was infuriated that I had never heard of Barbara Ann Tier. Um, who did uh, Tear Technology of Soul, a Black woman in the Black arts movement. It was amazing. She has an entire methodology written down in a book. Um, So that's when I was like, this has to be fixed. Yeah. (laughs) So like, um, and not just, you you know, uh, not just in the Black community, something I'm really excited about, if I can mention it really fast, is that we are, yeah, we just designed an acting theorist poster. And it is something that uh, came out of my presentations, my keynote presentations, where I show 
what acting theory used to look like and what it should look like now, right? So it's just really diverse. And so we are about, we have a whole bunch of acting theorists on there. Louise Valdez, Vina Panda, Chala, um, Jung Suk Yu, we're hoping to get on there as well. Um, Crystal Chanel Truscott, Rodessa Jones, along with Stanislavski and Stella Adler and Sanford Meisner. So it's just a true articulation of folks who have thought about what it means to to embody a character. And this this poster, is it something that's available now? Is it in process? People want to get a hold of it? <laughs> um, Black Friday. Oh. So I know, I know. I was trying not to do the capitalism thing, but everybody knows what Black Friday is. So it goes on sale the week of Black Friday until that Sunday. And then it'll still be available, but the price will go up. And so we haven't, we're starting to advertise, what is this? On November 12th. We haven't advertised it yet, but we're so excited. And it's a beautiful poster and it hopefully will be everywhere globally. And is it, is it something intended for, uh, for educators or is it? For everybody, whoever. So educators, absolutely. Middle school, high school, even elementary school, colleges, universities. It's a poster that you can put on your wall. All of the acting studios in LA should have it. All of the acting studios in New York should have it. All of the acting studios globally should have it. And our goal is to do um, a bigger poster because, of course, the list is not exhaustive, but we started with 25. So that's the starting point. And um, as we continue to unearth all of these methodologies, hopefully we will have this glowing pantheon of, (laughs) you know, (laughs) diverse acting theorists. So people know that there's a lot out there. You know, there are so many different ways to think about theater and think about what it means to approach a character. Mm. And this is a point that you obviously already know, but I feel like saying it out loud for people who are listening who may not have made this connection, but it also is valuable for people who are people of color who are studying theater to see themselves reflected back. And it's not just a bunch of white people telling them how to act. I, I, I may not have put that very poetically, but I'm, I'm no, on track. that's correct. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, you need to know. Yes, you need to. Um, you need to know that. You know, all cultures need to know what they were involved in and all cultures need that type of support, that type of affirmation, validation. So, you know, it's impossible to incorporate all cultures. I won't say impossible, but I don't know what that poster would look like. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's a start. Nothing, to my knowledge, has ever been done like this before. I don't even know if there's... And I would say there probably is, but I don't even know if there's an acting theorist poster in general. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you have um, where you have the white theorists that 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 we've been studying up until it looks like now. Um, so it's just exciting to have that representation uh, available for folks who want to diversify. Even if you, and that's what I tell people. It's you know, it, it's impossible to study everything. You know, we all have our our our, our niche areas. However you know, ignorance, it's its inexcusable not to know about certain things. And it's inexcusable not to know, unexcusable not to know about um that other, that other acting theorists exist outside of white people. You know, that's just absurd. You should be able to call other people's names. You should be able to say Barbara Antier or Frank Silvera. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And inexcusable for you to have not been introduced to this in, you know what I mean? Like to have to discover it outside of your, you know, yeah. Um, I'm curious about, you know, I worry this is a sort of simplistic question, but I'm going to throw it out anyway with your students. Like how do white students respond to being taught the black acting methods? Talk to me about that um, question first. Is that like, does that make sense? 
It does make sense. Um, this question comes up a lot and it's actually a question that I think, uh, it shows how inept many white people are mm-hmm. at delving into topics outside of their culture. It shows how centered they are. And it's really, and when I say unfortunate, I mean unfortunate in that I hope that white people realize or start to realize how much they have also suffered from racism. Mm -hmm. And Toni Morrison even talks about this, you know, Um, it's, 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 it's a terrible thing to wonder where you fit in with other cultures. And so what I'm going to do, Mikey, um, is to flip that question and, and to, to, to comment that, to comment the answer from a different point of view. So black people and people of color have always engaged with white people's work. Mm-hmm. We never have asked, um, how do I do this? <laughs> right. Some things different, right? Some things may be different culturally, but that is our experience. We know that white people have things that are valuable to say. We know that white people have invented very valuable things. Um, and we are not at all afraid. We have that amazing skill set. So my response when people ask the question that you just asked is, White students do the same thing that black students do. It's just reverse. You get in where you fit in. Um, we can all learn from different cultures. So it's so so and I hope that response makes sense because we don't ask white, we don't ask black students how they feel doing Stanislavski. Right. We don't ask black students how they feel doing Meisner. We don't ask Latinx students that. We expect them to fall in line. Right? right. Mm-hmm. So Black acting methods are acting methodologies that are useful for anybody who's interested. When we, when white people go to the question of, well, how do they, how, how do white people respond to, to this? We're not thinking about white people. We're centering black people. And you don't, and again, you don't ask, well, how are the black students responding to Meisner? Some mm-hmm. of them are loving it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very useful for and some of them it's not useful for so black acting methods is it's tools to put in your toolbox for for actors and i think you know with that question um i would surmise that sometimes white people that's when they realize their whiteness and they're like oh my god you know she's totally right so it's a question we get a lot but we always remind people that you don't you don't ask this question of your students of color. So we so so when white students are asking themselves how do i fit in that is what whiteness does, it centers itself. It can, it's, it can never uncenter itself. Hmm. You know, it's like, it's not about you come to class (laughs) (laughs) material, right? You know what I mean? Put on your warm up material. Here we go. We're about to do this lesson. Yeah. Whatever you get out of it is what you get out of it. So, so, um, and, 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 and I say that in, in, in a spirit of generosity and support, but it, but it's something that has to be addressed. Yeah. Um, I'm super grateful for your spirit of generosity and support with that. Cause it's this is one of those I had this moment a couple episodes ago when I did a similar question was like, oh, fuck, I just <laughs> fucking did the thing. Um, so I appreciate your patience and um, you shouldn't You're be responsible wrong. for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's OK. Um, yeah. Um, and my but, question. Sorry to cut you off, but it is actually 
because I know what happens actually when I do my lectures and I do presentations, I actually answer that question right away because I know that most, not all, but I know that most white folks who are on the call, that is their burning question. And some of them are afraid to ask, but they want to know, can they participate? You know, so, um, you know, I say that up front, like, yes, this is something you can participate in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's so interesting. And I'm, at at the risk of centering whiteness, I just want to throw a little thing. Cause I feel like, and this is a little place I get stuck where I'm like, Oh fuck. I just figured something out. Sorry. I'm saying fuck (laughs) a lot all of a sudden, (laughs) but I just figured this thing out and I want to sort of like put it out there for people that maybe didn't figure it out. I was looking at this book as a book of acting methods for black people to use, but these are methods that were originated by black people. Right. Like, Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, um, and well, not all of them are black in the book. Um, methods, methods that that originated from black culture and black theory and that are rooted in Afrocentricity and Afrocentricity is is, is the is the proper term for centering blackness and black values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of the authors, most of them in the book are black, but all of them do not identify as black. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, you kind of already addressed by talking about your poster, but you know, a lot of this stuff came to a head and a lot of these um, like white run theaters around the country are now like, oh, we got to get it together now. But we're also in the middle of a pandemic when people aren't going to the theater Um, when theaters aren't producing as much theater and they're finding new ways to do it. Like what? What is the way forward for all of us now when we're in this place, when we see that this change needs to occur and it's way overdue, but we're not doing the thing that we need to change? Like, do you have any thoughts about that? Wow. I mean, yeah, I have my thoughts and I and I see thoughts from other people um, and I appreciate other people. You know, I hear a lot like we don't want to go back to, quote unquote, normal. Mm-hmm. That's not where we want to go. Um a way forward, um, I think it's going to have to be radical. Um, what that radical forwardness looks like, I really don't. I really don't know. I mean, I think this is a moment. It's an interesting moment in time where, you know, white folks do control a lot of things, and are they going to do? what they say they're going to do, or are they going to do what they've been doing in the past, which is just kind of giving lip service um, to things, you know? And we don't know because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I mean, you know, and, and this is systemic. I talk about systemic racism too. I'm always very much though, like there's always somebody who's working the system, you know? So we use that word systemic a lot, but, but, you know, I think, I think we could make progress in the sense of, when you talk about social capital, that's one thing that black folks and minorities really don't have a lot of meaning, you know, white people hire their friends a lot. They hire their cousins, you know, they hire their sisters and their brothers. And that's another thing that makes it very hard for, um, black folks and people of color because, you know, we are a segregated society. And I think people have different friends of different culture, like in two places, it feels like LA and New York, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm being funny, but so I think it's going to have to be a radical reckoning. Um, and what, how we move forward. I am not, I'm not sure because white constituencies have been telling white stories. 
um, the audiences, and this is something they've been saying for a very long time, but the audiences are primarily white and they're also, you know, a particular audience is also um, maturing, you know, <laughs> so yeah. be here forever. So it's an interesting moment. So move forward. Just do what you said you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, do what you said you're going to do. Build those pipelines. Build those pipelines. Um, take risk. You know, people don't people don't like to hire people that they don't know. And that's what people have to understand. That is a system at work as well. You know, and I get it. As as I continue to work with people, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to work with nobody I don't know. But when that when that happens in a segregated society, you know, then you're never gonna be able to diversify because you're constantly trying to find somebody to vouch for the person um, versus taking them at face value with their resume and their CV. And if you can't find somebody to vouch for the person, then they just don't get hired. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. I I think it's super valuable uh, to have these conversations too. You know, like I think one of the things I'm pushing myself into is, you know, I I think in the past I would have just avoided having this conversation with you because I was afraid I would say something wrong or I was afraid, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I, if I understand that. And I think having these conversations, and I think it's also important for me to have these conversations with white people. Right. But like, um, I I feel like it's part of that putting, if to use the cliche, like putting our money where our mouth is, is to like, push forward and be willing to like be wrong. I feel like it's right. really strong just from my, my perspective anyway. Um, woo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- there's one, there's another topic and it's, it's kind of lighter. <laughs> it feels funny, like zipping to, but you're, you do so many different things. Um, and I, I think I have a, just as an artist myself, I have a particular interest in people who, cause from what I read, and I probably have missed some things. You're an author, an actor, a professor. You write poetry. You've written songs. Like, yep. <laughs> how? Um, and and I, this is a really selfish question because I'm trying to figure this out in myself. Is like, how do you, how do you do it all? How do you know when, which medium is the one that you're going to draw on on any particular day? Broad question, but I'm curious what that experience yeah. is like for you. Yeah, you know, I mean. It, it feels natural, to be honest. Like, it all, it all makes sense for me. Um, but it is challenging sometimes trying to write it and narrate what <laughs> who I am and what I do. All of it, to me, is artistic. Um, the, the songwriting piece is just, comes from poetry. Mm-hmm. I think my, my first artistic expression was poetry. And then I discovered, like, oh, if you put a little tune to it, you know, you can, um, you have a song. And so I, I first uh, wrote a song from the never ending story that had the same, like it had the same melody and stuff, but it was cute. I was very young. Uh-huh. And I kind of, I, then when I switched to theater, you know, there's a musical theater and I was like, Oh, I think I can write some musical theater songs. Let me try it, you know? And so I did that, but it's very much, I would say it speaks to the training, you know, the, the lucky paradigm does this. It, it, it helps actors to, to sharpen a lot of artistic tools and it welcomes a lot of those artistic tools into the, into the room, um, that, that you can use. So you're not relegated to just being an actor. You can write a song today. You can do a dance. You can do some poetry if you want to, you can paint, you can go ride your motorcycle if you want to. It all, it all counts. So for me, 
for me, it's not a siloed, you know, I'm also a theater director. I get the directing bug probably every two years. I'm not one of those theater directors that want to do a whole season and jump from play to play to play to play to play. Uh, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> but, um, so it just depends on, you know, how things present themselves to me, what projects are coming up, um, you know, what's, what's needed of me in, in the moment. And from there, I just kind of pull on my artistic wheelhouse to get, to get things done. And when I don't, when I run into a tool that I don't have, I reach out for help. But, um, yeah, I would just say go with the flow in life. You know, I've been, I've been itching to write another play lately Mm -hmm. uh, and I just hadn't sat down to do it but maybe it'll happen soon. But um, I'm just always expressing myself. I feel like since a child, I've always been um, expressing myself and had no problem going, you know, when I wanted a diary when I was a child, instead of going and making my mom and dad buy me a diary, I went and grabbed white uh, copy paper and folded it and stapled it. And then um, I remember I, uh, I traced my hand on it. That was my signature. Basically what iPhone is doing now. Uh-huh. You know, I was, <laughs> that was my signature in my mind to open the diary was to put my hand on top of my hand, a hand trace. Um, but that's kind of, you know, I've always been a creator. So I think that's really what it gets at is, is, is I do do a lot of things, but a lot of them are, all of it is connected to creation and creating things. I, our, this conversation is so good. And we're in, well, I'm at that moment of like, oh my God, we got to wrap this thing up. Um, yeah. So what? Where's the best place to track you down online for people to read more about the book and all of your work? Sure. Um, two websites: um, blackactingmethods.com and sdluket.com. S is in Sam. D is in David. L u c k e t t dot com and we're also on instagram at black acting methods and at sd luquette on instagram and then we have a facebook group black acting methods <laughs> studio <laughs> but if you type in black acting methods it'll all come up oh perfect and for listeners i'll put all of these links in the show notes for this episode so um they'll be nice nice and concise in one spot for you Uh, What a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking to you.
From the album The Greyland, that was the ensemble Numinous, led by composer Joseph C. Phillips. The track is called Don't. Please check out more work from this album um, and Joseph C. Phillips' work in general. I just discovered it myself. Um, I, I find it to be really powerful, really cool, interesting work. Um, I hope you'll check it out too. Thanks to New Amsterdam, as always, for um, giving me permission to use their music on this podcast. And of course, thank you to Dr. Luckett uh, for being on the show this week. I really loved that conversation. There is so much to check out from her body of work. So definitely go by her website, check out her book. Um, I put links to all of that stuff also in the show notes. Other than that, thank you all for listening. Um, If you are a patron, be sure to check out um, Patreon on Wednesday. There'll be a bonus podcast, uh, a further conversation with Dr. Luckett. And um, yeah, tell a friend if you like this show. Let me hear from you if there's a guest you think I should have on the show. If there's uh, something you liked or didn't like about the show, I'm really so, so interested in hearing from you. So um, check out these artists. Let me hear from you and I'll see you next week.